0: Have a mom or motherly figure in your life who loves books? Give them the gift of tailored book recommendations for Mother's Day, which is coming soon. When you do, your mom can tell TBR about their reading likes and dislikes and what they're looking for, and then sit back while their bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for them. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email. Gifts start at only $16, so there's a gift option for every budget. TBR subscribers are matched with bibliologists based on their requests. So if mom loves thrillers, wants to read more romance, is looking for poetry by writers of color, or maybe some space opera, we've got someone who knows just what to recommend so you don't have to guess. Our bibliologists also check your mom's Goodreads account if she has one, saving you from gifting a book that's already been read. Plus, gifts can be scheduled so you won't miss Mother's Day this year. Go to mytbr.co to give your mom the gift of tailored book recommendations. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a Book Riot podcast hosted by Sarah Hanna-Gomez and me, Tears of Price. We are recording on Sunday, April 25th, 2021. And I said 2021, like it was like 2001, but really I usually say 2021. I don't know, I was just like in that reader mode where I was like, yes, we are recording on this
1: day. Anywho. Right. I still can't get over that, like, that is the year that it is in my I know. <laughs> like, it's still, it looks weird every time.
0: <laughs> I think of, like, 20 years ago being, like, the 1980s. So when I am reminded that 20 years ago was, like, actually... Middle school. Like, <laughs> yeah, the year 2000. It blows my mind a little bit. Y2K! <laughs> Welcome to this Hey Why episode where Hannah and I show our age.
1: <laughs> right? Oh, always fun to, you know, (laughs) all the olds tell me to feel young. And I'm like, let me tell you, the youngs don't think I'm young.
0: I know. (laughs) I realized today while I was in the grocery store, and maybe this is just because I'm wearing a mask, or maybe it's because, like, I now own an LL Bean jacket that like my grandmother probably owns but like I get mammed a lot in the store a lot and I'm like this is weird I'm not even 30 okay I'm just gonna (laughs) you know smile and nod because they can't see my smile behind my mask but yeah it's it's like really weird like just within those last year I'm like I've never been mammed so much
1: in my life as (laughs) I have until now (laughs) so yeah things are weird with masks We were talking before we started recording about how babies are terrified of new people, even if they wouldn't be otherwise, because people don't have faces anymore. Yes, it's it's rough. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: so anywho, how are you this week?
1: oh my god i had a a really rough week i had to both experience energy vampires and then explain what energy vampires are in psychology to like a million other people which felt like dealing with more energy vampires but people have taken all of my energy and my time and my bandwidth but most of that i think is over so i'm looking forward to like maybe knowing how to read again that'll be exciting Yeah. Like I'm reading a book right now and I'm like, I don't know if I don't like this or if I'm just like having a time right now. (laughs) You're tired.
0: Yeah. Well, I sort of took most of Friday off to watch Shadow and Bone and I watched the entire show in a day. And I know that our next episode, we're going to talk about adaptations. So I don't want to get into it too much but I will just say that if you are on the fence about watching it I was extremely satisfied I mean the fact that I watched an entire show in a day should say a lot but I'm really excited for us to dive in and you know dig a little bit deeper into our conversation about adaptations next time and I only bring this up because you know that's a fantasy series and today we're going to be talking about standalone fantasy which I'm super excited about
1: me too Also, though, I know you heard the news, but in, you know, like radio speak, Tirza, have you heard the news about (laughs) Melissa de la Cruz and Disney? (gasps) Yes, that
0: was really cool. So in case you haven't heard the news, Melissa de la Cruz is getting her own publishing imprint. There was a Publishers Weekly article that ran, um, I think about a week ago, and it announced like a bunch of new and exciting things for Disney publishing. But that I think was like the most exciting bit of news. It was kind of buried halfway down the article.
1: Yeah, when you put that link, I was like, oh, she must have put the wrong link, because I remember that news, but this is not the right article. And then I started scrolling and was like, that's right, because there are seven news items <laughs> or so There's in a this lot, one a lot. article. And it's wild, because Disney Hyperion had a big kind of upset earlier earlier this pandemic, I think where they were like, we're not really going to do books anymore, except for like IP specifically related to Disney, which is weird, because they still don't have like a specific deal with like Disney ABC TV group where like, you still have to do all kinds of optioning and stuff. It's not like a first look deal, which is weird, because it's all Disney. But this is why monopolies and capitalism are bad. But yeah, so it's like they got rid of all of their books and like reassigned them and then came up with new names for imprints and like started acquiring again but like didn't reacquire yeah. their books or something. Nothing makes sense basically, but this is cool news.
0: It is cool news. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out long-term. The other bit of news in this is that Melissa De La Cruz's Blue Bloods um, series, which is her Vampire YA series, which was like publishing when we were in high school, is getting a re-issue, reprint. And so those will be like relaunching and that will help kick off her imprint. I think though that Melissa De La Cruz is like one of the most underrated, prolific authors of YA. Like she has just put out so many books in so many genres from children's to adult, but like mostly in YA. Um, so this is just like, I think a very smart move because I think she really knows her stuff. So I'll be curious to see what comes out of her imprint.
1: Yeah. I remember when I was in middle school, I guess, reading her like adult novel, Cat's Meow, which may have been her first book ever. And then the O Pairs series, which was like Kind of like right in that, like, I guess in the early days where it was still 17th Street productions and not Alloy, or maybe right when it was switching or merging or whatever. But yeah, I was like, so I've watched her entire career and just been like, holy cow, how does this woman like do so much? So it makes perfect sense to give her an imprint because like, yeah, she's productive as hell.
0: Yes, she is. So I yeah, we'll be anxiously watching that to see what comes of it.
1: Yes. Also. Victoria Jamison in this new Disney Hyperion like oh, 2.0 okay. is doing a book called Operation Parent Trap because they're doing yes. Disney remixes of live action, and I'm dying at this news. Because oh my gosh, yeah, I'm assuming it's the Haley Mills like Parent Trap that they're going to be thinking, or I'm hoping that I don't even know, but. We don't know yet, but it's I, yeah, I think it's what, that's
0: what's really going to be interesting about this whole Disney stuff is like seeing how they kind of um, reinterpret and mine like all of their, you know, vast catalog of
1: existing properties to new books. Like it's going to be really cool. Yes, yes. So excited. Ugh, everything. Give me all the things, except don't send them to me as ebooks or I won't read them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like done. Ocularly, I am done with ebooks. But, Yeah. Oh, so let's talk about high fantasy specifically, because I know this is an area you are more comfortable than I am. So I've been trying to stretch myself. Since you know more about it, how would you actually define it? Oh my
0: gosh. So, fantasy is obviously a huge, broad genre. There's a lot of subgenres within fantasy. You know, there's historical fantasy, there's, you know, I would even say fabulism and. Paranormal and urban fantasy. uh, We decided to kind of focus in on high fantasy just because I think that high fantasy is just really exciting. And at least in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, it seems like it's really boomed in YA. And so high fantasy, and this is how I would define it, people can, you know, feel free to argue with me or, or quibble with me on this. But in my mind, high fantasy is like, Set in a world that is not the real world, and it is, you know, just completely imagined, and it usually has some kind of magic system that has its own rules and has its own setup. And one of the reasons I think we were really excited about this topic is because obviously, high fantasy and YA has been around forever, but. It's only been like really within the last couple of years that I've seen a lot more high fantasy standalone novels, which as I get older, I really appreciate because <laughs> I do not read as many series as I did when I was a teen. And I, that frustrates me because I love series. I love a good, long, thick fantasy series. But I have found that as I get busier with work and reading for Book Riot... I have less space in my life to do like those, you know, long fantasy series. So when I get a standalone fantasy, I get really excited because it like, you know, scratches that itch for a nice high fantasy, super involved world. Usually these books are nice and thick. Love it. But it's also like, oh, I only have to read one book. Thank goodness. (laughs) So um, which just not to say that we don't love series. I know that we both want to do an episode on fantasy series later down
1: the line, but uh, we... I just
0: going to focus on some standalones today. Yes.
1: I say probably every episode that I don't like series cuz I don't like having to remember like <laughs> what happened 15 months ago when I last read it. But yeah. Yeah, it's funny too cuz like high fantasy, it's one of those I forget. It was like some supreme court justice who was like talking about the difference between porn and erotica and was like, "I know it when I see it." And I feel like high fantasy is that one when you're like Lord of the Rings, like, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. I mean, I like your definition. I think it's perfect. But I wonder, too, how much of this has to do with I mean, some of it's just my personal preference. But I wonder if, like industry wide slash culturally, it has something to do with we've gotten out of like the habit of having the mental challenge of remembering what happened a while ago because, you know, you used to have to remember what happened last season on your TV show because it's been four months, and now we binge stuff. Or we can at least, like, wait, but then, like, the week before our favorite show, like, starts its next season, watch, you know, the last two episodes from last season to remind us, like, what happened. And, you know, back when TV was live, (laughs) we couldn't do that. So I wonder if some of it's just, like, we've trained our brains out of it.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting
1: thought. I also think that just...
0: In, within y a it's it was an interesting revolution because like obviously fantasy series they've always been published but I feel like we really saw started to see a lot more of it when like the trilogy boom happened which was you know about like late 2000s early like 2010s um was when it really was just like, everything was a trilogy even when it didn't necessarily need to be (laughs) and i just appreciate that now like i think we are recognizing that not everything needs to be a trilogy something sometimes it's just a one and done thing sometimes it can be a duology Uh, i feel like we could do an episode on duologies as well because there's so many duologies in YA right now and and not just in fantasy but in a lot of different genres Mm -hmm. so i do think like the as as readers became a little bit more, you know, excited and, and wanting to read more and more why fantasy, maybe just like, you know, there became a little bit more flexibility in like the types of stories that could get
1: published and it didn't necessarily have to be a trilogy. I'm going to point to TV again. Actually, and this is funny. I didn't think <laughs> of any of this when we were writing our notes, but you know how with like various like SFF series in particular, but also everything, there's like the monster of the week format, or there's the big bad format. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you know trilogies kind of are speaking to that whole like big big bad like the series arc and not monster of the week. Yeah. So I wonder if. Yeah, I guess just, you know, and it was, it's probably a chicken and an egg thing, but I feel like maybe those are related. Like, and that probably also has to do with the advent of streaming and before that, TiVo, which, like, I'm definitely dating myself now with TiVo, but (laughs) (laughs) like, yeah, you know, like just we, we absorb stories differently now.
0: Yeah. And I think that there are just so many great fantasy stories out there that, like, you know, they can be like, okay, it's just one book. It's just like one sort of adventure and one big confrontation. It doesn't need to be drawn out across multiple books. And people are like, yeah, cool. Let's go. So I I just think it's really, it's exciting. And I don't think that we could have necessarily done an episode like this a couple of years ago, because so many of the books that we're going to talk about are on the newer side.
1: Yeah. Agree. Definitely. Cause yeah. And some of them too, like, as you know, we're both writers too. And I feel like, you know, a few years ago if I had written a standalone fantasy and they were like, no, it has to be a trilogy. It, you know how some books read like someone just pressed print at two random spots to make it a trilogy. You're like, this is clearly, the author was like out of ideas or bored or frustrated. Mm -hmm. Like you should have just let them write the one story (laughs) they wrote.
0: And it's, I think it's publishing, you know, there was, mm-hmm. you know, is, trilogies were doing really well and people wanted everything to be a trilogy or like you could only get away with a standalone fantasy if it was set in the like the same world that you'd already written a series in. So yes. yeah, I just, I think especially, you know, and I'm going to talk about this too, when we get into our books, but especially fairy tale retellings are really great as standalone fantasies. Agree because they don't need to be drawn out like some of them are and and that's cool but like you can just have like a really fantastic three to 500 page fantasy fairy tale retelling and that's that's really all you you know need for that so I just yeah I think it's really cool (laughs) and I'm so excited that we get to talk about a
1: bunch of books that we love me too so I'll hit our first sponsor and then we can dig in so today's episode is sponsored by Lycanthropy and Other Chronic Illnesses by Kristen O'Neill, published by Quark Books. Teen Wolf meets emergency contact. Wow. That is. <laughs> that's a great. Wow. <laughs> In this <laughs> hilarious and heartwarming debut YA novel about friendship and living with chronic illness. Priya worked hard to pursue her pre-med dreams until a diagnosis of chronic Lyme disease sends her back home. Thankfully, she has her online BFF, Bridget, and oof, ouch my bones, a virtual chronic illness support group. I need to join that. But when Bridget disappears, Priya drives to check on her and finds a horrifying creature shut in the basement. Confronted with the unexplainable, Priya comes to the impossible truth. The creature is a werewolf, and that werewolf is Bridget. So thank you to Quirk Books. That sounds really cool. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that book was on my radar, but now it's like way on the top of my radar. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, I saw the title (laughs) and was like, this can be really gimmicky or terrible or really great. And it sounds really great. So yes. So I'm super excited. I feel like when you know, we first like I think we both kind of proposed this idea to each other, but I was sitting there like, oh my God, but I don't even know like what standalone fantasies exist, so I better get to work. And then while I was kind of making a list, I was like, oh dude, Robin McKinley is like the oh, yeah. the classic fantasy standalone, like very, you know, thick books, most of them. And you know, some of them are fairy tale retelling, some are just original stories, but I feel like if we go back to, like, our early adolescence and adolescence, Robin McKinley is, like, the person who comes to mind as a, like, just, I wrote a book and it's a story and then the story ended and that was my book. <laughs> like Yes.
0: Like, I love Sunshine. It's my favorite vampire novel of all time. I would love if she wrote a sequel, but she's very famously been like, no, there will not be a sequel. And I'm like, why do you have to break my heart like that, Robin? But okay, I guess I will accept this.
1: (laughs) Right? Yeah. And I still have such good memories of Beauty. That's, I think, the first Robin McKinley I ever read.
0: Yeah. She's very famous for, yeah, just like writing one absolutely like brilliant book set in an amazing world that you just like want five more books of, but she's like, nope,
1: that's it. Right. Like, and respect, Robin, respect. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess my first mention is all of Robin McKinley, partly to remind myself that I need to go back and revisit more of them. But, you know, I think beauty is great. So. Beauty is great. Yeah. It's probably been you know, 15 years since I read it. But I remember that
0: book very well. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, yeah, what do you have? So I'm going to talk about two books by the same author because oh my gosh i love them so much um they are melissa bashardo's girl serpent thorn which is her latest came out last year and girls made of snow and glass and they are both retellings girls made of snow and glass is a retelling of snow white and it is literally the best snow white retelling i've ever read it is from the point of view of lynette who is like the snow white character and then her stepmother mina who is, of course, the evil stepmother character. But what's really amazing about this is you get chapters. It's a dual point of view book. So you get chapters in both of their perspectives. And you really come to see that Mina is not like your stock evil stepmother. There's like a very big reason for, you know, why she is the way she is and how she kind of comes off as this kind of cold and uncaring person. And it is just a really fantastic tale set in an imaginary kingdom where, you know, half the kingdom is locked in snow and ice and it's part of a curse and the other half is is not. And what happens when the king dies in an accident and Lynette is forced to flee, but Mina is, you know, just trying to make the best decisions that she knows how to make in the moment. And it is just an utterly fantastic retelling. It also has a queer romance. So Lynette falls in love with another girl. And I love that element of it. So I listened to this book on audio, just kind of like on a whim looking for something to listen to one day. And I was just like, holy crap, I love this so much. So I'm forever evangelizing about this book. And then Girl Serpent Thorn came out last year, and I was super excited to read it. So it is a retelling of a Persian myth. And it is about a princess named Soraya, who has been cursed to be poisonous to the touch since she was an infant. And because of that, she has been forced to grow up very isolated from the you know, court, society, even her own family. And so she has like grown up in her family's spring palace in her own suite of rooms with a garden. It's closed off from everything else. And most people even forget that she exists. And then at the beginning of the book, her brother returns to the spring palace and it's announced that he's going to get married. And so basically she feels as though, you know, everybody is moving on and having lives without me. And I'm just going to be stuck here forever unless I can break this curse. So she decides to break the curse. And in order to do so, she has to go into the dungeons and confront a monster that is being held in the dungeons to try to find the truth about why she is poisonous to the touch. It is a beautiful, brilliant standalone novel. I was not familiar with the tale that it retells. So everything was new to me and I was, you know, just so excited to read it. There's an it's another LGBTQ fantasy. And the romance aspects were just on so well, the world building, the line level writing, everything. So suffice to say, I am definitely a Melissa Bash Artist fangirl at this point. Like I will <laughs> read anything that she puts out. So those are her two standalone fantasy novels that I just can't recommend enough.
1: Those sound both really good. I feel like we could also have pointed out that High fantasy is the basis for pretty much all of those memes that are like your YA book title is you know? yes <laughs> like where you're picking from a column, and then yeah I'm like all of these books sound good and then I'm like I don't remember which book is which because it's all just like the blah 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 blah, blah. yes yeah girls made of glass and snow definitely like.
0: It probably took me a while to like nail that title down in my head because there are so many titles like that. Girl Serpent Thorn is a little bit more, you know, it stands out a little bit more, but it's funny that both of her titles have girl in the title.
1: Oh, yeah. And you said girls made of snow and glass also <laughs> throughout.
0: Oh, so, dead? Like, oh geez. But, no, but
1: that goes to show how <laughs> like high fantasy can be wonderful, but it has a problem with titles and I don't think it's doing itself favors.
0: Yes. The correct title will be linked in the show notes, but it's pretty interchangeable (laughs) at this point.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, those sound great. I had them vaguely on my radar, but I, with high fantasy, I need other people to confirm for me. So yeah, I am very excited. So my next book, actually my next two books, actually my next three, but all of my books today are me having a huge bone to pick with high fantasy and how everything is feudal Europe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's what has always turned me off from high fantasy is, I mean, aside from all of literature, just being unbearably white, I'm like, you can do literally anything. And I get that it's like, you know, impractical and impossible to like completely create like an entire new society from scratch. Like it will be easier if you just have like some things that you recognize, but like everything is feudal Europe. (laughs) And it's so boring. So it wasn't until I like found some high fantasy that like didn't play take place in somewhere that is clearly, you know, it's like this implied historical fiction, even though, again, you have the entire world as your oyster. So why not? Why not have an entirely new land, but people have cell phones like instead of horses. Mm-hmm. So super excited about Cinderella is Dead by Kaylin Byron. I mean, first of all, the title, I was just like, cool, (laughs) like maybe it's horror Cinderella, like who even knows? And it's not. And then I was like, oh, maybe it's like feminist Cinderella, but kind of in that tired, like, I don't know, like, I don't want to say feminism is tired, but like, I feel like it's kind of a dime a dozen with the whole like, it's Cinderella, but like, she does X very typical feminist thing and it doesn't actually like make that much of an impact. Like she doesn't get married to him after all or whatever. So this one is kind of horrifying. So it takes place in a country that definitely like lots of things feel French in this world. Lots of people are brown for no reason than that they are described as brown, which made me think of Brandy Cinderella. And I wrote a whole article for Book Riot recently <laughs> called Brown for No Reason. So like this, I was like, ha ah. Oh my God, if I had just read this like three weeks earlier. So it's 200 years after the Cinderella story took place, but in the country, like where it actually happened. So you have a girl named Sophia who is, you know, like her childhood best friend is a girl named Erin and they're like in love with each other, but they have to do a thing that became common after, you know, Cinderella, which is all the women have to go to a ball, they get chosen, you know, and they don't really have a choice in it. They have three years, like three balls to go to. And if they are not, like, chosen by a man who often is, like, you know, old enough to be their father or grandfather, they are considered forfeit. And no one knows what happens, but they just, like, disappear. So she's like, well, I don't want to marry a dude at all. And also, like, F this, I'm 16. But her girlfriend is like, I can't, you know, I can't push the envelope. Like, I love you too, but, like, I am... I don't feel safe like trying to do that. I'm going to just suck it up and like marry a dude. So they go to the ball and then like a bunch of stuff happens and Sophia ends up making a run for it. And now she is like an outlaw and she runs into someone who turns out to be, you know, like the descendant of one of Cinderella's evil stepsisters and starts to find out all of these things that like were not true and how this, you know, was totally like twisted by, you know, sort of what today would be like the media and tabloids and stuff. And so they like go on this quest to see if they can find a way out of the country or like just figure stuff out. But it is, oh, it's so, so cool. It reminded me a lot of The Secret of Dreadwillow Cars, which is another Brown for No Reason book, but middle grade that I really love. But yeah, it's really like there are a few things I saw coming, but I was so happy with the way that they were done that I was like, this is an underused trope. So I don't even care if it's a trope. And yeah, I just thought it was it was a really nice take on lots of tropey things. So highly recommend Cinderella is dead by Kaylin Baron. And I'm excited to read her next book.
0: Yes. I still have not read Cinderella is dead. It's on my TBR forever. I still need to get a copy, but I love the cover. And I have an arc of her new one, which looks really exciting too. So on your point about how a lot of why a fantasy is based off of feudal Europe? Like, totally agree. But I'm gonna shout out some books that aren't. Um, so, <laughs> Melinda Lowe's Ash and Huntress, which are just you know two absolutely amazing fantasy books, and I just have a lot of respect for Melinda Lowe. These were her first two novels. They came out in, I believe, 2000. 2000- 9 in 2011 respectively and i mean melinda really sort of broke a barrier for queer fantasy In YA, um, which, you know, I'm forever grateful for because we've gotten so many amazing queer fantasies since then. And I think she really was like one of the first. So, Ash is her debut novel and it is a lesbian Cinderella story. And the worlds are, you know, definitely based off of, you know, China and like history and culture in a really, really interesting way. I love Ash because it reads a lot like a classic fairy tale, but it has, like, I don't know, it has sort of, like, this almost mournful tone to it because it is a grief story as well, but it's just so beautifully written, and it's kind of about, you know, finding yourself in a dark place, but then also finding your way out of that dark Mm -hmm. place. So it is a retelling of Cinderella. I will leave you with that. Um, Huntress is set in the same world, but a couple hundred years earlier. And it is the story of two girls who have sort of been seen and foretold as having to travel to the far north to confront a queen who they believe their magic is kind of throwing off the balance of the natural world. And so they have to travel together. They don't really know each other um, from the beginning of the book or before the beginning of the book. So they are getting to know each other as they're going along. And it's a very dangerous trip. And they start to fall in love with one another, but um, you know it's only been foretold that like one of them's gonna make it. So obviously that that adds some stakes to the dimmer of the story. <laughs> um, but I really love them both. I think that they are just like absolute fantastic fantasy, and you know they both are available in. Um, 10th anniversary editions that you should definitely check out the covers really haven't changed too much other than just getting a little bit of an update but
1: they're beautiful beautiful books so highly recommend melinda lowe's first two fantasy novels oh i didn't know they did a huntress like special edition i remember her talking about the ash one but it just came out this month and i don't feel like it got a lot of attention but yeah it just came out this april Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember, like, it's, I haven't read those since pretty much they came out. But I remember reading her blog a long time ago. And she was like, you know, something about like, you know, people are happy that I've written, you know, like these um, lesbian romances, but also they're not, because this world just doesn't have gay and straight. Like, there's no such thing. Oh, yeah. And, I was, and I'm and i still stuck on that. Like, it's really cool. And that's another thing where I'm like, oh, my God, it's, like, so tired when we just see feudal Europe and, like, the same gender things over and over. Like, you know, the girl's father has to marry her off and whatever. And I was like, that's so neat. Like, yeah. There's no such thing as gay because everyone just, like, is a person and likes whoever they like.
0: I remember reading Huntress and there's, you know, the concept of arranged marriages in Huntress and there's like arranged queer marriages and hunters and that's just you know part of the world and it's not that big of a deal like it's just a thing that is and I just remember being like whoa like this is what we can do in fantasy we can reimagine a world without homophobia and in a way that's still kind of radical to me
1: <laughs> oh totally yeah totally is it's yeah it's fantastic so my next book, speaking of how I get tired of feudal Europe, is um, Zara the Windseeker by Nettie Okorafor. I have to say, the original hardcover cover is, it is very what fantasy looked like in the 90s. Like, it's not, it didn't <laughs> age well. But they put out a paperback that is, like, the most gorgeous thing in the entire world. But either way, it is very cool. It's sort of a, a quest story. It's a younger YA that I think is nice, like a crossover. And it takes place in a world where instead of like horses, they have computers, but they're like plant based computers, which I just love. So, you know, you have Zara who like feels very kind of out and outside of society and different and like an outcast. And her best friend, like, she has one friend who isn't afraid of Zara because Zara was born with uncommon, like, hair and abilities. And then all of a sudden, her best friend is threatened, and so Zara has to, like, go into the forbidden greeny jungle, which is, like, such a great... Like name the Forbidden Greeny Jungle, and so then you get this, you know, quest of like a girl going and finding her way. So um, Nnedi Okorafor is Nigerian American, so this world is definitely kind of inspired by that instead of by Europe. But I think that's the other thing we have trouble thinking of high fantasy as anything but that, like sort of European esque. Thing Mm -hmm. So I feel like not a lot of people put this in that category. I've seen people call it science fiction and magical realism. And I'm like, no, but it's like a a completely separate world with magic that makes it high fantasy. It just has computers, which I love because a lot of high fantasy doesn't have science. And I'm like, but. (laughs) So a flora computer and a quest in a, you know, scary jungle. And it's wonderful. So
0: Awesome. Yeah.
1: And she's just a great author in general. I mean, she writes for, you know, kids, teens, and adults, and does science fiction and fantasy. Like, just if you don't know Nidia Corfor, like, you just, you're wrong, and you need to get on that. <laughs> There's a lot of great stuff to discover with her backlist.
0: <laughs> yes. So my next pick is a brand new one. It is a 2021 debut. It is Sweet and Bitter Magic by Adrienne Tulip. So it is a really great fantasy about two girls named Wren and Tamsin. And Tamsin is a witch, but before the book began, she cast a spell that was forbidden and it got her cast out of her coven. And Wren is a magical source, which means that she... Um, possesses magic, like she is kind of like the source for magic, and she can see magic all around her, but she can't actually wield it. So, according to the law of this land, Ren is supposed to like go to the coven and basically be in their service, but her father's sickly, so she doesn't. And so she's kind of like the secret source out in the world. And Tamson, of course, is cast out of the coven. So she's just trying to make it on her own out in the world. But she, you know, doesn't have access to like the coven's resources. So the two meet when a plague sweeps through the country and is, you know, just really wreaking havoc on people and, and changing p- who people are. And it gets everybody really scared and terrified. And it's basically like a side effect of dark magic. So there's a dark witch who's practicing magic. And so Ren and Tamsin meet and they form a bargain where Tamsin will help kind of track down this dark witch and stop the plague. And in return, Ren will give Tamsin her magic and her love for her father. Because, oh yeah, Tamsin can't feel love. That's kind of like part of her curse for being cast out. So they go on this quest to find the Dark Witch and um, stop the plague. And along the way, they fall in love and they also learn a few secrets about their abilities and themselves. So I just thought it was a really fantastic debut. It was an interesting world. I kind of liked like the idea of like witches and covens but, like but in a completely different sort of fantasy setting. The cover is beautiful. I also love just a sort of slow burn rivals to lovers romance so that is this if you like those things too
1: pick up sweet and bitter magic by Adrienne Thule. so my next one is the one i'm currently reading i thought i would finish it by today and start my next one but then this week happened so not done yet but bell revolt by Lindsay miller it is europe but it's i mean it's not europe because it's high fantasy but it is very French inspired, like the names are all French, you know, but it's sort of like a, a prince and the pauper type of tale where there's, you know, a noble woman who is, you know, her mother is like sending her to finishing school, essentially. And then you have a poor girl who, you know, wants to, wants, there must be more than this provincial life, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and they look similar enough that when they end up, when um, Emily, the noble girl, ends up in Annette's town, she's like, hey, do you want to switch places? Because as it turns out, Annette, the poor girl, really wants to learn magic. And that's what you learn at this finishing school. And it's called the Midnight Arts. And Emily wants to learn to be a physician, which is the Noonday Arts. And so they're like, cool, we can we can switch. So Emily has to like very quickly teach Annette like how to seem noble-ish, but at least because she's always been kind of not like a hot mess, but like very disappointing, you know, to her noble mother. At least she's like, doesn't really matter if you don't know a lot because like everyone expects me to be like really obnoxious and terrible at stuff. Yeah. So they separate and go on their, their merry ways and just keep in touch with each other. But instead of like just being pen pals, you have Annette who's learning magic and she can scry. And um, so that's how they can kind of stay in touch and keep each other like on top of like, oh, no, no, no. You have to remember when you were little, you did this because I did this. And then at the same time, you have this like boiling or simmering um, revolution in the country. There's a maybe person, maybe group called Laurel that's like kind of posting like pamphlets and flyers everywhere, basically like encouraging the... (laughs) the underlings to rise up um, against, you know, the king and the nobles and, but it feels like very now politics, right? It's all about like the elite to use us, you know, like use our labor and use us and don't hurt at all. And then we die, you know, young because a lot of people who do the noonday arts use what they call hacks, which is like poor people that they like channel their magic through. And that like, you know, physically wears down a person. So they're, you know, kind of using all these people, making them die young. It feels very Marx, like here's a, <laughs> <laughs> which I love. Like it's very like, you know, the worker <laughs> is selling themselves, not just their labor. And, you know, the the capitalist is, you know, earning off of their, their labor and their body, blah, blah, blah. Um, So you have like where I'm at now, it's still kind of like simmering and they're both girls in their separate places are kind of figuring out what's going on and, um, you know, kind of coming to agree with Laurel. I was told this would be very gay and I haven't quite gotten there yet, but I had it (laughs) confirmed that it was like queer high fantasy because the author on Goodreads, I love, did, you know, where you would put the review, did a whole long thing about content warnings. I really, really love. And I just, yeah, like, you know, she she doesn't, like, you know, give you a bunch of spoilers, I guess. But just, like, I really appreciate that it was just some content warnings. And just very, like, you know, she just says, it is a work of high fantasy, not historical fiction. So I really, yeah, I respect that. And I love, too, that it's, you know, a noble girl who doesn't have to disguise herself as a boy to get what she wants. Like, that is a very tired trope for me. So I like that it's just you know, I kind of have to sneak in because my I'm in like the wrong class to do this. But she doesn't have to pretend to be a boy. So that gender setup isn't there quite as much. It still has gender issues, but it's different enough that I'm really here for it. And everything is Frenchy, but not like futile, not too futile. It's still kind of futile. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. So that's Bell Revolt by um, Lindsay Miller awesome
0: I'm gonna hit my last two picks really fast because we're running out of time
1: oh snap yes we are <laughs>
0: want to give a shout out to sorcery of thorns by um, Margaret Rogerson which is an amazing fantasy if you like magical libraries magical books and grimoires a very high-spirited yet naive protagonist who you know thinks she's doing right but then finds herself caught up into you know a larger plot there is like this Fantastic brooding by hero. There is a sly demon servant who stole my heart. It's just utterly fantastic. It's a standalone. Sorcery of Thorns by Margaret Rogerson. And then my other really quick want to shout out is an oldie but a goodie, A Curse as Dark as Gold by Elizabeth C. Bunce. It is a retelling of Rumpelstiltskin. And it is very much like, you know, your traditional sort of European inspired fantasy world, sort of historical fantasy world. It doesn't name any specific country, but it has that feel. But it's kind of a cool fantasy world on the cusp of an industrial revolution. And it's a retelling of Rumpelstiltskin, which. I don't see a lot of NYA, and it's excellent. That's one of my favorites, and it's been one of my favorites for years. It is still in print, but it might be a little bit harder to track down. It's definitely
1: worth tracking down, though. Yeah, I remember really loving it. Do you want to hit our next sponsor, and then we can quickly talk TBRs? So today's episode is sponsored by Book Riot
0: Deals, our daily roundup of the best books on sale. Every morning, our editors scour the internet to find the very best books on sale from as many genres as possible. We find bestsellers and prize winners, great book club reads, and under-the-radar staff favorites we'd love more people to know about. There's YA, middle grade, adult, fiction, nonfiction, and more. Go to bookriot.com slash deals to check out our finds of the day and sign up for our newsletter. We'll send the day's picks straight to your inbox. That's bookriot.com slash deals.
1: Okay, so standalone fantasy, high fantasy, TBR books that we're excited to read. Go. Yes.
0: All right. <laughs> um I just want to shout out Laura Weymouth. Um is I believe how you say her last name? She has multiple like standalone fantasy and some of it looks like it might be like historical fantasy, so It might be set in the real world, but her first book, The Light Between Worlds, has been on my shelf for a long time. It's kind of like this concept of like, what if these two kids, you know, went to a fantasy world, but then like they came back from the fantasy world and now they have to kind of deal with real life and trying to find magic in everyday life. I think that's really cool. And she also has a new book out this um, fall called Rush of Wings that is on my TBR. And I don't really know what it's about, except for I think it is a retelling of the seven like the swan brothers I can't remember exactly but there's like monsters and and magic in it. it looks amazing so i'm excited to dive into her backlist and her new books
1: nice so my next one that i physically have like Next to my bed is Empress of All Seasons by Emiko Jean. and this one is a Japanese inspired high fantasy world and there are competitions to find um, the next empress rather than it being sort of a, you know, like familial thing. So you have a girl, Mari, who you know has been training to be an empress the whole time. You have to, you know compete for it. But if you're a Yokai, which is um, like a, a monster, you are not allowed to compete. And oops, that's what she is. So <laughs> she's like, uh, okay, got to hide this. So yeah, it just sounds, you know, kind of like what you'd expect from high fantasy, but then like set in a world that isn't the same that you see in a lot of high fantasy. So I'm super excited for Empress of All Seasons by Emiko Jane. Awesome. So...
0: This book's been about a year and I have a copy sitting on my shelf that I can't believe I haven't read it yet. But The Mermaid, The Witch in the Sea by Maggie Takuto Hall, I believe is a standalone. And
1: yes. Have read it can confirm. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> it's it looks so good. So um, you know, Florian is a pirate who's on the ship and Doesn't, you know, know much else. And then there's Lady Evelyn, who is this highborn noble lady who's being sent to an arranged marriage that she wants to get out of. And when the two meet, they fall in love and they decide that they're going to escape. Uh, That is kind of what I've gleaned from just reading the description. It looks amazing. The cover is beautiful. Like, I'm going to read this book. It's just, I I haven't yet. And I need to, because every time I look at it, I'm always like, oh yeah, that looks like it's totally up my alley.
1: Yes, I read it last year. And yeah, it has one of the coolest (laughs) non-European inspired worlds. So yes, I think you will enjoy it. Yay! Um, My next pick is one that, you know, is like on my Kindle ready to go. It comes out next month, um, In the Ravenous Dark by A.M. Strickland. And I'm just going to read the first line of the thing that they put on the flap because I feel like it tells you everything. A pansexual blood mage reluctantly teams up with an undead spirit to start a rebellion <laughs> among the living and the dead. Like Awesome. cool. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> and the cover is like a skull but made out of flowers and then a person in it. Like, I don't. Okay. <laughs> so. That's. That sounds
0: amazing. (laughs) Oh, See, a book I'm reading, actually, I'm in the middle of right now, or I'm like about 100 pages in is The Dark Tide by Alicia Jacinka. And this one's really good. I'd hoped to finish it before we recorded, but I last did not. It is about like this island where every year they have to appeal to the witch queen to take a male sacrifice, like a young man, and she drowns him to keep the floodwaters at bay. And this year, you know, she takes somebody that our protagonist cares about very much. And so she decides that she's going to go to the witch queen's palace and she's going to demand that she give this boy back. And she kind of offers herself up in place. And they kind of have to like wait a month between like the choosing and the sacrifice. And so during that time period, they start to fall for one another. I'm really enjoying it so far. The cover is gorgeous. I don't have much more to say because I'm, you know, like I said, only a little bit into it, but
1: I'm very hooked. Nice. So my last one on my TBR is Don't Call the Wolf by Alexandra Ross. And this is Eastern Europe inspired fantasy world, which I think it came out last year. But I bet with the you know Grisha series coming out on Netflix, it'll probably kind of come back up because that one's also sort of Eastern European, if I am thinking correctly. It is. Sweet. Okay. So I'm planning on reading that because I read completed series. I just don't read beginnings of series. (laughs) Um, But this one has a dragon, which I think I've said before is like the least dragons and angels are the least interesting like supernatural things to me but this sounds so cool and i successfully read a dragon book earlier this year so i'm gonna give this one a try you know you have queen who ends up um you know meeting a survivor of you know like kind of a i guess some kind of destruction or war um and is the only person left from his group of dragon slayers And yeah, so, you know, it's kind of like two unlikely partners going off and and adventuring. So it's like,
0: yeah, okay. I'll take it.
1: (laughs) I might be into this. (laughs) And then you have one more, I think, right? My last
0: one, and I'm pretty sure it's a standalone. I was not able to find confirmation, but it is Axios, The Girl Who Fell Beneath the Sea. And it's being pitched as a feminist retelling of the classic Korean folktale, The Tale of Shim Jong. So it looks really good. It is also another sort of like watery adventure, because you have, (laughs) you know, just like a seaside town and, you know, somebody who has to be sacrificed to the water it looks like so i'm i'm really excited it's also being like pitched as something that is perfect for people who like winter song and miyazaki's um spirited away so i also think that the cover is absolutely gorgeous so like i would pick it up based on that alone <laughs> but yeah the girl beneath the sea by axio it's not out until february 2022 so sorry to tease you with a book that's so far away but it is on my radar and i think it should probably be on a lot of people's radars.
1: Yes, excuse me while I go type that in. (laughs) But um, I will wait because our amazing audio editor, Jen Zink, is always telling me to stop typing while we're recording. But thank you, Jen, for always being understanding about my typing and nose blowing. Uh, That is it for us this week. So thanks again to our sponsors. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or share your thoughts with us on social media or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to visit bookriot.com for even more YA coverage, including our What's Up in YA newsletter. And check out our premium Insiders program for new release indexes, extra podcasts, including Read Harder, hosted by yours truly and Tirza again. So if you can't get enough of us, <laughs> join Insiders and even more goodies. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as shgmicklicious. And Tirza? And you can find me on
0: Twitter and Instagram as at Tirza Price. That's T-I-R-Z-A-H-P-R-I-C.
1: Cool. We will talk to you all again in two weeks. Yeah. Happy reading. Happy reading.